the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hey, good morning, everyone. I'm Stephen Gaines, and I'm sitting in for Dottie Herman, who is away traveling, and you're listening to Eye on Real Estate. We're the only show on talk radio that's all about real estate and everything that has to do with real estate, which is just about everything that you can think of. As the economist Susie Orman says, owning a home is a keystone of wealth for both financial affluence and emotional security. To me, the emotional security is the most important part of owning a home, I think. Um, my co uh, Dottie's co-host, uh, real estate attorney Jerry Feeney, well, I'm sure will agree with me. Hi, Jerry. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Good morning. I think if you could come a little closer to the mic, it would. Uh, I can hear you better. Jerry is one of the finest legal experts in the real estate field. He literally says that Jerry's the best, Jerry's the best, but Jerry is like an encyclopedia of, of uh, real estate law, and if you have any legal issues you'd like to get some advice from one of the top real estate attorneys in New York City, now's your chance. You can give us a ring at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622 if you have any questions for Jerry. Also, is Ace one two South Bar on the line nice. yet? Going to be there in a minute. He's running a little bit behind schedule. Well, Ace, Ace Watana Suparp is with us today. Ace is an executive vice president of Citizens Bank, and he will also be happy to answer any questions or help you solve uh, any issues you have about mortgage or refinancing or getting a home equity loan. You'll be able to speak to Ace, too. Uh, if you're having trouble getting a loan, he will really help out and tell you what to do. Just give us a ring at 866-970-9622. I must tell you about Citizens Bank because I am a very, very happy borrower at Citizens Bank. Um, Jerry Feeney knows this because he's kind of been following my saga for five or six years. I have tried every single way upside down inside out to try to refinance or get a home equity loan it was next to impossible for me because i'm a freelance person and i went to citizens bank and they were just wonderful they were just great they found a way to work out my getting a home equity loan and um it's true what they say about citizens um you really should go to them first and you'll won't need any other bank at all. Um, I want to take a moment, by the way, to thank Citizens Bank for their support of this show and for giving back to the communities in which they do so much business. Uh, Citizens is offering um, 
a fund. This is really a, a great idea they have. They're going to fund great ideas addressing community needs. Uh, Citizens always does these interesting things for the places where they have um, offices. For small business owners, um, how would you benefit your community if you had $10,000 or even $20,000 to spend? Uh, what would you do with twenty grand if you were a small business owner? Would you create jobs or maybe create a program for local kids or rehab a local building as a home for organizations improving your neighborhood? Well, Citizens Bank is going to award prizes, $20,000 and $10,000 in four different cities. Pittsburgh, Boston, Detroit, and Philadelphia for the best ideas. All you have to do is go to citizensbank.com and submit 150 words, not a lot, about how investing in your business would support both business growth and your community, and two winners for each city will be announced in late April. Not a bad way to win $20,000 and help out your community, so that's citizensbank.com. Later in the show... One of our favorite guests, Marla Close, the green home coach, is joining us. Now, don't roll your eyes when you hear green. I think, oh, my God, green, that's got to be, you know, a boring topic. But it's absolutely not, and it's become an integral part of owning a home uh, or an apartment. Uh, Marla is a national expert on how green practices help people in all walks of life to have a safer, healthier, more comfortable home. I know a lot of people are still rolling their eyes when they hear green, but Marla makes the topic fascinating as well as educational. Jerry, I had dinner with a woman uh, last week, and she uh, moved into a building, a co-op building in Manhattan about two, three years ago, and she wants to renovate her kitchen. Mm-hmm. And she she's was told by the co-op board that she has to renovate with all green appliances and methods. And it's, I haven't it's seen more a, I haven't seen a green appliance lately. Oh, you don't mean green in color. It's going to say it reminds me of my grandmother's kitchen when I was growing up. She had lime green. <laughs> well, can they do that, Jerry? If you live in a building, can they force you to use appliances and air conditioning and other things that are green? Well, when you say green, I assume uh, appliances that meet certain energy standards and they, they certain, yeah, they certainly can. And it's probably a good idea. You know, a lot of these old buildings, um, have, you know, pretty antiquated electrical systems. And although they've upgraded them, you know, they, some of them have, uh, limitations on the, on the amperage. So, you know, they have to be careful about how many appliances are being run and, and how big the appliances are and having them meet certain energy standards allows them uh, to comply with that, but but just you know, in general, it's a policy matter. It's not a bad one. I don't think that you know she's going to have to spend that much more money to get appliances that are compliant with energy standards. Um, I know when I did my kitchen recently, my building made me, which I thought was a good idea, install uh, these emergency water shutoffs so that it automatically kills the water supply if it detects water on the floor. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. Why not just always do that when they make people install? And, you know, some of these new buildings that are being built, I always thought, you know, why don't they do some of the, you know, the waterless um, urinal systems and things like that to save water? There's all kinds of things that we can do to help. uh, And I think that it makes a lot of sense, frankly. By the way, yeah. 
By the way, I have to tell Marlon you about Close. movie. I'm sorry, Jerry. Please go ahead. Now, I'll tell you after about a movie I saw the other night, but go ahead and finish, finish the topic. Well, Marla Close is going to come on and talk about what we can do in the home. And I think that uh, this uh, lady that I had dinner with who was so angry at her building for making her put in green appliances and not the Why stuff was she, angry? she wants to put in. I'm, I'm not sure. I think they are kind of more expensive. I mm-hmm. think she had her heart set on some, you know, Mealy or Bosch or one of these high-end, you know. Yeah. I can't imagine that they don't have green appliances also. I, I'm not sure, but I, I think just being told what you can have in your kitchen sometimes annoys people. Well, you know, um, it's, the, it's the building's uh, policy. And, you know, when you live in a co-op or a condo, an apartment building, you can't just do whatever you want. You have to... You have to understand that what you do impacts other residents in the building, and uh, people don't always realize that. You know, I, back to my kitchen, I was trying to shut off the gas supply because I changed to induction, and to do that, to put to cut this pipe, you just can't cut a gas pipe, of course, would have required to shut down the whole building of gas and do a pressure test, and people could have been off for a week, and you know, and therefore I couldn't do that. And I understood why, because it would have been convenient to everybody else in the building. So we just built around it. So it's, you know, it's a bit of a give and take when you're in a building. What's induction? What does that, what does that mean? Induction? Well, the, the green, uh, your green person who comes on is going to know. Well, all tell induction. us. Induction is a form of cooking that I think I hear Ace. The, is that Ace? I'm in the here, guys. There I'm he here. is. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of our Good morning, family. Ace. Good how, morning, guys. How are you? Um, I could be better. I'm in a, in a boot. <laughs> I broke my toe. Um, oh so my goodness! What happened? I I was playing basketball foolishly and uh, Ace, yeah. Listen, listen to your older your older friends. Okay, I, I need to hang it's it up. It's time to stop doing that. Exactly. Okay? You have to no. re- release your youth. Let it go. Look at it in the ba- look at pictures. Keep pictures and photo albums around of when you were younger. Speaking of releasing your youth, I have to tell you that uh, I'm a documentary fanatic. For anybody who knows me. I watch documentaries about everything. I watch a documentary about sand and the Helvetica type. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. Wow. And I watched the other day a documentary about Studio 54, and I'm sitting there minding my own business watching Uh-oh. this documentary, and who comes on to talk about exactly their youth and how they misspent their youth every night at Studio 54, but Stephen Gaines. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys want to meet a rock star... He's on the show right now, and his uh-huh. name is Stephen Gaines. So, Stephen, um, yes. you, so you weren't going to the library every night to study. You weren't, you weren't going to church services. Apparently, you were going to your own temple called Studio 54. My first question is, how, was it, wasn't it hard to get picked, or you just started to get to know them, and, and they picked you every night, and you really went, like, all that time? I was, I was uh, it was an addiction if I was out of town, I would I would come back to town in time enough to get to Studio Fifty Four at night. No, the secret was is that I wrote a uh, I wrote a newspaper column for the Sunday News called Top of the Pop, and disco uh-huh. was my beat. So I started going there first as a journalist, and then oh, I got wow. to know Rubel and all those people, and I was there every night. <laughs> I know, get boring, huh? Oh no! It never got. It never got. It never got boring. But in any event, so um, you went to yes. all the the discos, like the Saint and all those old one, all those famous ones. Um, I did. I went to. I went to some of those uh, because you know after you went to Studio Fifty Four at two or three o'clock. 
came in, you were gone to another one. Um, it's a, I don't know how I got through it all and how I existed, how yeah. I held a job or got up in the morning to well, write. That's a, but That's what I was wondering. It was a good question. I, um, um, anyway, so that's, uh, that's was very interesting. So if you haven't uh, seen the uh, documentary, it's out on uh, the pay-per-view. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good documentary, I thought. It did a good job. I, I didn't know um, quite... Uh, all the story about you know the the backstory of it and and Ian uh, was Ian Schrager was uh, part of it. I think I've never wow. seen him in a documentary about it. I've never heard him talk about it. But um, yeah, he, he never was, has before. He yeah. he never has. He's been he's refused to give anybody the, this documentary film filmmaker Matt Einauer is a former Vanity Fair writer and he does really mm-hmm. class jobs. Because yeah. it's pretty horrifying to see yourself on the screen, you know, thirty feet tall with two necks and stuff like that but <laughs> but i, I wanted to see, i wanted to see what you looked like when you were going there there were they didn't show any pictures of you in the 70s and 80s no i wish wore. i had that would have been really yeah. good we'll have to get one of those photos well i'll send you i'll send you one not safe for work yeah give me a fair <laughs> warning before you do that um but uh, uh anyway the induction is um, a method of cooking that uh, you have to use uh, ferromagnetic pans, yeah. you know, anything, you know, not wow. copper, in other words. And it uh, circulates the electrons and it heats the, the pan without the surface getting hot. So if somebody comes in and looks at it, it'll look like an old electric cooked up, but, you know, it's not electric, uh, although it runs on electric, it's induction. And it's really the preferred method. A lot of chefs are changing now from, you know, the big open flame, you know, Viking <laughs> type uh, stoves to induction because... First of all, you don't have a flame. You don't have a hot surface, generally. The, uh, it's much safer. You know, if if, uh, if something boils over onto the stove, it doesn't make a huge mess. It just kind of boils over. And it boils water twice as fast mm-hmm. as uh, uh, hot, the highest hot flame that you can have. And it's amazing when you turn it on and you put it on this boost method, the water just boils like in just 20 seconds. It's incredible. Because we don't have natural gas up here in the boondock so I, my only choice was electric or propane both of which i hate so uh that's how i got into induction and i like it and now I'm, i did it in the in the city and you know europe has been on induction for a long time we're just a little bit behind the behind really the wow i never really knew about and, this before and Stephen, for our listeners wondering why jerry knows so much is not only is he an amazing real estate attorney, <laughs> he's an amazing chef. That's why he knows so much about really? it. I wouldn't call myself yes. a chef. I could oh, just he's cook, good. You know, he, he I could, could follow a recipe. <laughs> he could definitely um, cook up a storm, Stephen. Oh, so. Thank you. I like cooking when I, I never do that course. before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you stopped going to Studio 54 long enough, you could come over <laughs> and have a nice Think of all the brain cells I lost, though, going to Studio Can you imagine? 54. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's lucky I want <laughs> I want to talk about some of the things that are coming up in the show. Valentine's Day is Thursday, mm-hmm. and we've got a fascinating topic. It's called Romance and Real Estate, How Your Housing Situation Affects Your Love Life. And did you know that where you live affects who you date and well, who will absolutely mm-hmm. refuse to date you? Yeah, I think if you're and that ho- homeless, that's probably hard to get a date well, for Valentine's Day because women don't that, want Well, I got, you know, actually, I think a lot of people who are unfortunately homeless, I, you know, kind of pair up together because you mm-hmm. need it. But in any event, let's not go up. Homeowners are regarded as marriage material more so than renters. And we're going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, how harmful is it to your future to live in your parents' basement? 
<laughs> it, it turns it turns out that living in your parents' basement can have more consequences than you realize, and financial, emotional, a whole bunch of things. And it turns out, by the way, that 25 million adult children live at home with their parents. That's a huge number. And the mold in the basement, too, is dangerous. So. Oh, my God. Well, certainly in my basement there would be. It's the Chinese New Year this week, and it's mm-hmm. the year of the pig. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. uh, in Chinese culture, pigs are the symbol of wealth, and their chubby faces and big ears are a symbol of fortune. So, and Dottie loves to do on this day. On this day in New York in 1934, it was minus 14 degrees. It's the was the coldest day in New York City recorded so far, mm-hmm. minus 14 degrees. Well, Although it felt like that last week. Yeah, it did. So that was what? What year was that? 1934. Hmm. Did you still go to Studio 54 that night? (laughs) Jerry's not going to let it go, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me. Um, On this day in 1963, New York City experiences the seventh largest snowfall in New York City history. 1963, we got 17 inches in one day in 1963. And also in 1966, the Dow Jones Industrial Average hit a record. You ready for this? 995 points. Wow, wow. I remember people. People going wild that it was going to hit a thousand points, and mm. and if today is your birthday, Aquarius, you have a special connection with air that gives you stubborn qualities of a fierce wind. And mm. if today is your birthday, you share it with Mia Farrow, who mm. is seventy-three years old today. Seventy-three. Oh, bless her. Hmm. She's still yes, bad at Woody, it, probably. Now, Jerry, uh, Dottie got a question um, through the mail, uh, which you can help with. Now uh, it says, now my condo board ruled that we can't have welcome mats in the hallway. They have to be inside the apartment. (laughs) I have carpeting in my entrance hallway, and the door won't open if there's a mat inside. Is there no end to the foolish rules they can make? The problems of New York City living, you know? I mean, some people have to deal with... (laughs) health issues but in new york we have to deal with welcome mats being banned what a horrible thing first of all i happen to hate welcome mats i think they're annoying um because they get filthy and they get uh, askew and i just threw mine out up here at the house i'm going to get another one that says go away for the solicitors but that's a different story entirely uh if you ever walk down a hallway in a building that allows welcome mats you'll see why they banned welcome mats because it looks terrible They've got all kinds of a mishmash all over the place. And the fact of the matter is, if you've got a wooden door, they can certainly shave it down. Even a metal door, they can adjust it slightly to give a little bit of a gap at the bottom, uh, if that's what the person wants. But I'm here to tell you that you can live without a welcome mat. There's life after a welcome mat. Uh, and uh, just try it. And you could do what you know a lot of our Asian friends do and have people remove their shoes when they come in. Um, do you do that, Ace, in your apartment? Do yeah. people remove their shoes? Yeah, I it's do. A, it's a very clean way to live. I have to say, the first time I was asked to do it, I remember thinking, well, this is awkward. But um, it really, people who have changed to, to that way of living, which is removing your shoes when you come in, uh, keeps the house nice and neat and tidy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, for years and years, I've had people remove their shoes. Really? Because, I mean, in, in New York City... Uh, we don't want to think think about what's oh, been on disgusting. the streets that yeah. you've just been walking on, and then you're yeah. tracking inside your house. I remember the uh, the uh, uh, Sex in the City episode uh, where she uh, 
is asked to remove her Manola Blahniks and somebody steals them because oh she leaves them out. <laughs> Which is always one of my favorites. But uh, The uh, problem is if you have holes in your socks or your socks are dirty or something like that. I mean, no. that you know, creates a problem. I was thinking about getting little booties to keep uh, the door for guests. Oh, but, yeah, uh, that'd be nice. Slip-ons. Disposable yeah. stuff. But... Yeah. Um, Ace, this is this is for you, a dear daughter. Uh, Steven, you might not be able to hear it, but we got the we've got the music coming on. We want to take a break. Yeah, sure, absolutely. We'll be right back after this message. Please don't go away. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Hey, it's Stephen Gaines sitting in for Dottie Herman, but Dottie's co-host, real estate attorney Jerry Feeney, is here with us today. And so is Ace Quintana Suparp, who is executive vice president of Citizens Bank and an expert in mortgages and refinancing. Ace, this question is uh, for you. It's addressed to Dottie, but I know you can answer it. Yes. The question is, I rent out our summer cottage every August, but when we applied for a mortgage on our primary residence, the bank would not include a, the rent that we get from the summer cottage. Why? Do all banks do this? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, so in her question already, she's utilizing the, the house as a primary residence, right? So most likely the banks will will refer to that as primary, and they won't use the rental income. Now, what's more important is that she only rents it out, according to the question, in August. So it's only one month, right? Most right. banks want to see at least three months. Maybe it's a it's a rental season. So if you're only renting for one month, they still consider that as a primary residence. Therefore, you can't count the rental. And more importantly, if she did rent out in August, has she... Has it been a two-year history of rental, right? So the banks won't take the rental income if there's not a two-year history of rental income showing as well. Oh, so. that's a new thing. So there has to be a two-year uh, history. Uh, that's what they mean when they say one-time event only. That's how they, they uh, exactly, write it. Exactly, Stephen. So you, I you, see. You need so to you, show you have to rent it out for two years and, uh, for t- uh, two years and then... It's, if it's not your primary residence, it doesn't matter, or if you rent it out every year for, for two months. So, so if you want to utilize months. rental income, really what you really need to do is you need to identify your, your home as an investment property, right? So by her wanting to refinance her primary, she's almost negating the rental income that she's getting, right? Because you're, you're telling the bank, that's my primary home, I'm not renting it out. In this case, she's renting it out for a month. You know that's that's not really a rental income, so. Hmm. Yeah, I've got. Um, it's it gets pretty complicated, and if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what to what to tell the bank or ask the bank or everything. It's very very difficult. I think when people, that's why you should call Ace. That's that's exactly why bank. you need to call a banker, talk to him, tell 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 him or her your situation, and we'll present it the best way possible to the underwriter. So. That's the secret, that you get information, you get advice, and then you will present it the best way as possible for you to get a loan. I think that's really, really important advice. By the way, you can give us a ring right now at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. Actually, Stephen, uh, I, th- I think we have Allison on the line. She has a question in regards to retaining a lawyer before getting a co-op. Go ahead, Allison. 
Uh, or, hi, thank you. I actually am a lawyer, but not a real estate lawyer. And Jerry always says, you know, don't let your friend handle your divorce. So um, <laughs> I'm buying a condo <laughs> or co-op. And I know I want to title it as an LLC. So is it wise to have someone like a Jerry secured in place before I even make an offer on something? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, I would wait until you've identified a property because if it's a co-op, most of the co-ops in the city do not allow ownership in an LLC type of entity, uh, number one. And number two, although condos do, if you're going to finance it, we always have to, you know, I always tell people the bank runs the show. They've got the money. So I always want to make sure that the bank is okay with our plan. Um, so, you know, before you do that, you want to make sure. And then finally, you know, if you put it in an LLC, you're not eligible and it's your primary residence. You're not eligible anymore for the co-op condo abatement in New York, which is a couple thousand dollars a year on a, on a, on a good okay. size apartment. So, you know, you don't want to necessarily give that up. Um, Sometimes people are very security conscious and, uh, you know, I've had uh, families that, uh, you know, prominent families that, that have their children living if they don't want people knowing where. So in that case, we'll, you know, put it in an LLC that's innocuous and therefore people don't know, you know, who's behind it and owning it. And that's perfectly acceptable. Um, but if you don't have one of those compelling reasons to do it, I, I might rethink the LLC thing before you get on that road. Why, why are you thinking of doing the LLC? Um, you know, I had worked for a firm, a law firm, and, you know, it was a prominent plaintiff's firm. And this man, he said, I ended up, he, you know, he had bought a condo with his wife and he said it ended up showing up. I'm, I'm way less, you know, mm -hmm. wealthier than him. But he said it ended up showing up in the observer, you know, kind of like prominent, yeah. you know, the change when you read those mm -hmm. things. And he said, I was so irate that that showed up. He said, you know, he kind of had no one's business. And if I ever had to do it again, you know, he was buying a yeah. studio for his daughter. He said, I would never want my name, my daughter's name, you know, the whole thing. So well, he's willing I don't to think anyone's after him. If he's willing to pay for that luxury, then uh, he can. Because, uh, as I said, you, you miss the co-op condo abatement on a condo. And you really aren't going to be able to buy a co-op in, in an LLC. Um, but if that's a concern, then then certainly we can, we can do that. But I wait to identify the property first to make sure that everything fits in. And okay. call me. I'll be happy Thanks to help so you. Much. I even give a professional discount to other lawyers. I love working. <laughs> Thank you. I love your show. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Jerry, how can Bye. you be reached? Can you... Oh, you can always call me at my office, which is 212-842-0237 is a good way to get me. 842-0237. And you were about to say how much you love the show? No. <laughs> Did she go away? <laughs> <laughs> she already did. Ace, uh, I, I, Ace, I'm very worried about you. When did you break your toe, by the way? When did this happen? Oh, it was this week on Tuesday, uh, Jerry. So yeah. Which toe? My left big toe. Oh, that's a major one. Yeah, it's a major one. So, I'll so your basketball boot. career, yeah. we're going to have a retirement ceremony? Yeah, we'll have a ceremony. For the, those of you who don't know, Ace doesn't just play basketball. Okay, Ace plays basketball with like NBA players because he used to be on the University of Connecticut Basketball team, Division One. I. I mean, this is a major basketball player. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. you play with like real <laughs> NBA types. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was... So, did one of them step on your big toe? Or... Yeah, unfortunately. But uh, no. we're going to hang yeah. it up now. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you can always no, watch not. sports you know, on TV. Listen, Jerry, Ace sent out pictures <laughs> of himself in the hospital. Were you in the hospital in that picture, Ace? Um, I was back. I was back in the... Um, I, I went to the ER room around 10 p.m., and I was there till around 1 a.m., and then... Are you a, are you a big baby back. with uh, things like this? Are you Were you like... Oh, I was screaming, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it does it hurt? Does it really hurt? It hurts. It hurts. But yeah. but I'm used to it now. I mean, today's uh-huh. Saturday, so it's just the fact that I have to be in a boot for the next month. Which well, that's the track. I saw that stinks. boot, and yeah. he's not going to be able to get into any of his fashionable clothes with that boot. <laughs> but guys, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But guys, we have a caller. Um, his name is Arnold, and um, he's got a question. Hello, Arnold. Go ahead, Arnold. Yes, um, concerning the legal term holdover, maybe yeah. you can give a brief, you know definition or some of the possible outcomes as it, as it would affect the tenant as well as the uh, maybe landlord? Well, holdover refers to somebody who remains in the apartment after the end of the tenancy. Um, usually uh, people rent an apartment on a lease and has a beginning term and an end term. And if you finish the term of the lease, you're supposed to leave. And if you don't leave, then the law calls you a holdover tenant and you have certain rights and obligations as a holdover tenant. Uh, you have to continue to pay rent. And if the landlord accepts the rent, then the lease is considered to have been, uh, the tenancy has changed now to a month-to-month tenancy that continues on the terms of the lease that um, expired. So if the rent was $1,000 a month in the lease, then your month-to-month tenancy is considered 1000 And now the landlord needs to treat you as a month-to-month tenant. And if they wish to eject you, then uh, they have to comply with the notice provisions to do that, that's if they've accepted you as a holdover tenant. If they haven't, then you, um, you know, are, are subject to eviction for being in possession of the apartment without any legal right to it. I would have been given a lease, but why would he not give me a lease? Or can he do that under rent stabilization? So you have a rent stabilized apartment. Yes. Well, then they're legally obligated to give you a lease. In that case. Okay, so yeah. the landlord didn't give the lease, so that's something that he yeah. cannot really do legally. No, they have, they have they have an obligation to offer you a renewal lease. Um, so it may just be that it got lost in the mail or got lost in the shuffle. Have you called them and said, "Listen, I didn't get my renewal lease yet"? Yeah, well, well, I, yes, I spoke with them, but this is what I'm saying. Maybe what it's the- right or maybe it's wrong. The landlord is in an area where the rents are turning over because it's like regentrification, et cetera. Yeah. So maybe he wants to get this apartment turned over so he can get the 20% increase and then continue to make a profit rather than having a lot. I've been here like 15 years, so I'm yeah. a long-term tenant. Yeah, sure. Well, what he wants is different than necessarily what he can do legally, right? So right. Okay. the fact is that you're a rent-stabilized tenant. When you asked him, where's my renewal lease, what did he say? Well, actually, um, I'm in court with him now oh, under the yeah. holdover terms, and he tried some things that I don't think are really ethical. But anyway, well, we, we can break discuss- Arnold. But what I would do is I would I would make sure your lawyer knows you know that you haven't gotten the lease and you want a renewal lease and you're entitled to one legally. Uh, so I'm not sure how he's going to prevail on that. Stephen, I think we got to take a break here. We'll be right back after this. Don't go away. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. 
Hey, we're back. It's Stephen Gaines sitting in for Dottie Herman, but Dottie's co-host, Jerry Feeney, is with us. And so is our mortgage and finance expert, Ace Watana Suparp. Jerry, I wanted to talk to you a bit more about the the holdover tenant thing. I, I just want to tell you my experience with it. I sublet an apartment many, many years ago, 30 years ago in New York City, and I, it was a sublet. And uh, when I moved in, the man I was subletting from said to me, uh, whatever you do, don't try to contact the landlord. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay. It was only like a three-month sublet. I figured if I was illegal, the worst that had happened is somebody would throw me out. But then he extended the lease for a year, and he was in Japan. Something went wrong. So I did find the landlord. I went to City Records, and I did find the landlord. And the landlord said to me, oh, my God, he's, his family's been a holdover tenant in my building for 20 years, and I can't <laughs> get them out. And the only way I can get them out is if you will testify that he sublet the apartment to you because that's illegal. Was, is, yeah, you, have you I'm heard of anything like this before? It sounds more like he was a, a rent-stabilized or rent-controlled tenant who was subletting in violation of the, the lease. But, um, uh, yeah, certainly, you know, you always need the landlord's – generally, you need the landlord's consent. Sometimes you have a, a statutory right to sublet if you comply with the law, if you have a rent-stabilized apartment sometimes you have a legal right to do that but you have to comply with law and you can't make a certain amount of excess profit on it the general rule is if somebody says to you don't tell the landlord that you're here there's probably something fishy going on with it but you know you were so busy going to studio 54 every night you probably didn't even notice <laughs> it was about that time or it was maybe it was a little early about that time surprised you re it, remember anything from back then was... the the landlord said to me if you will uh uh give me a note or testify I forget what he asked for me uh -huh. uh, to saying that you were subletting this apartment he's I can evict that guy and I will lease the apartment to oh, you for did you do um that? yes yeah good for you I would I would have done the I same did thing. that and I, mm -hmm. I of course the guy was paying 121 dollars or something and he mm -hmm. charged me market value but that was okay mm -hmm. that was how I, I finally got a home in in New York City but it's um, sure uh, my experience with the uh, holdover yeah. tenancy I'd never heard of it before mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. yep. I have a, another question uh, that uh, you can help with uh, this is from Fr Frank in Flatbush Brooklyn he says our sponsor seems to be renting apartments as quick as they're being sold won't all the rentals bring down the value of our apartments that we bought well so he's he means that he's renting the apartments that haven't been sold Is that right it? yeah so what first of all for our listeners a sponsor is, is the person that sort of or either uh, organizes the conversion or the construction of the building and initially offers the units to the public and they're called a sponsor and they do it with a document called an offering plan just like if they were offering stock or bonds to the public, it provides disclosure. It's the same thing in real estate and the condominium law. But in all of these offering plans, and any of them I've ever read in the last 20 years, and if you've never read an offering plan, I wouldn't pick one up because it's not, you know, it's not like a Stephen Gaines book, which is a page turner. These are these will put you to sleep. But um, one of the things in it is the sponsor always has the right to rent apartments if they deem that it is to their best interest. And the reason why is because market conditions change. And as market conditions get weaker for sellers, then sometimes sponsors need to make the ends meet. And so they decide to rent them. But, you know, when they rent them, they no longer can then turn around and sell them as brand new apartments. Now they're used apartments. So that's always allowed. And uh, as far as the question, 
does it impact market value? Generally, yes. I mean, any building that has a high, you know, what they call investor concentration is going to be harder to finance. Ace, what 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 are the thresholds of the bank is going to look at in terms of you know how many units are owned by uh, investors? Yeah, if it's more than right around forty five percent, it's um, deemed um, non warrantable. You know, meaning so, that it's hard hard to get a loan. It's, it's hard to get a loan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that the bank got involved also in trying mm-hmm. to get a mortgage. So the bank, when you go to buy a co op or a condo, the bank checks out the amount of rentals versus Absolutely. the amount that's Absolutely, being owned. Absolutely, Stephen. They yeah. they fill out a condo co op questionnaire, and and you really, you know, the I guess the um, ethos behind that is if a building is primarily investor concentrated. When the market um, starts to take, it, when the market slows down, you know, most likely these investor units, they'll be the first to go. Meaning, you know, they'll be the first to default because yeah, statistically, it's kind of investors and, default yeah, before exactly. primary owners do. But you know, it's an interesting thing as a result of that. And and you know, you might say, well, you as a individual owner don't really have much control in a condo if your building gets sort of taken over by investors but <laughs> that's just part of home ownership in in new york you have to realize that's always a risk <clears throat> excuse me i have to get a drink of water here. but one of the things that we have seen in new york which i think is really kind of objectionable is some of these condos have passed rules um the condo board has passed rules that are really trying to interfere with condominium unit owners right to lease their apartment they're doing things like, you know, changing minimum lease terms to two years. They're putting in huge uh, monthly um, uh, costs associated with renting. In other words, your, your common charges go up by 30%. They're not allowing you to lease for more than a certain number of years uh, in a row. Much more similar to what you would see in a co-op with respect to sublet rules, which we're used to. But co-op ownership, of course, is much different and we expect that because the co-op board always has a right to control uh, transfers of shares or sublet of shares. But in a condo, you know, people buy condos to have the freedom to, to, to sell or to, to lease with minimal intervention. And I think that these are really kind of objectionable, and I haven't seen any uh, litigation over it, but I'm sure it will ensue because if, if you're a condo unit owner and you've bought it with the theory that you're going to be able to invest, and then all of a sudden the board changes the rules uh, – that allow you not to rent, then now they've, you know, I- impacted the market value of the yeah. apartment that, that you own. That's a huge change. Sure. And I'm sure there will be litigation. Yeah. Um, I'm sure somebody's going to be, a, you know, it just struck me, you can rent, you can buy a condo and rent it to somebody for as long as you want. Yeah, most condominium declarations, which is a document that runs, you know, runs the building, um, allow you to engage in, in leases for lease terms of a minimum of a year. Mm-hmm. They don't usually specify a maximum lease term. I suppose you could do a lease term for 20 years if somebody was so inclined. Yeah. But they usually specify minimum lease terms um, you know, to avoid sort of transient two, three, four-month uh, lease. Um, but one, you know, as long as you otherwise comply with the minimum lease obligation of a year, uh, then you can, you can lease for as long as you want. Mm-hmm. I've, I've you never know who's going to be living time. next door to you, I guess. It's, it's true. It's hey, like sure. those, uh, those Airbnb yeah. rentals that, 
the people in that building on the on the west side who uh, saw strangers uh, wheeling uh, luggage up and down the hallways every day yeah. and realized yeah. that uh, some of the neighbors were just renting it out and there were strangers yeah. on their floor every day. Yeah. So, uh, hey, what were you going to say situation. on that? Oh, no. Um, just to your point, Jari, you know, long-term uh, leases mm-hmm. are, are always accepted by condominiums. You know, the yeah. board, um, it, there's really no board approval for that. I've I've rented out my condo mm-hmm. uh, for years, actually six years in a row with no uh-huh. problems at all. But yeah. it's the transient rentals that they have an issue with. So Right, right. Does it matter to the bank when you're, if you're trying to get a mortgage to buy a condo, do they care if you're going to be renting it out or, or it's going to be your primary residence? Um, well, they'll, they'll take a look at your financials to see if, um, again, you know, if you have rental um, experience, history, and things of that nature. But yes, they, um, they will, that will be a factor in underwriting um, the approval. It'll be a different interest rate, It'll too, be a right? different interest rate as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, Guys, Della from Manhattan wrote in, I, I, I laughed when I read this because I've heard so many weird stories, but this is, I was, she writes, I was very nervous during my co-op board interview. I don't think I put my best foot forward. When I think back, I said stupid things that I like to cook and give dinner parties, and I would invite them all to dinner one night. I cringe when I think of it. Can I ask for a second chance? Can I ask for a second meeting before I hear from them? You can ask for anything you want. Whether or not it's advisable or not, I would say absolutely not. Uh, Leave it alone. Let it lie. Um, You know, one of the real peculiarities of, of the New York housing situation is this concept of interviewing before you can live somewhere. I mean, you talk to people in... Texas and they look at you like you have two heads and they're probably right. It's a peculiar system that we have. Um, but co-op systems oftentimes will engage in interviews with people before they'll agree to sell to them. Uh, and uh, sometimes people do or say foolish things, unfortunately. But I don't, you know, say, saying that you like to cook and give dinner parties is not the worst thing in the world. It's not like she says she has to, you know, wild parties at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's different. But uh, I don't think I would ask for a second interview. You're going to you're probably going to get a decision any day now. So by the time you ask for it, you'll probably have a decision. And if the decision is no, then you'll know in your next co-op, don't say stupid things in the interview. Don't invite them all to dinner. <laughs> don't invite, yeah, don't invite them to dinner because the next thing they're going to want to come. So. <laughs> That's possible. Now, the, for those of you, um, the, we were the, one of the first news outlets anywhere to uh, announce that Donald Trump's childhood home in Queens was for sale. And it, it was bought, it was purchased by Chinese investors uh, for uh, 2.4, uh, a little over $2 million in 2017. It was bought by Chinese investors. And since then, uh, the house has been used uh, for Airbnb, wouldn't you know? Um, in any so it's event, used it's illegally. Back- That's great, yeah, yeah. Well, that's legal because it's a private home, right? No, in New York City, you, uh, New York City does not permit uh, occupancy periods for less than thirty days in private residences. So, if they're Airbnb, I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it's a, it's a violation of city rules. So here's the story: they're they're it's on the market for nearly three million dollars for two point nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, an almost duplicate house across the street is asking one point two f- 
$5 million. <laughs> so they're more than doubling it. The house is 2,500 square feet, and it's a Tudor-style home. And a sign in one of the bedrooms reads, In this bedroom, President Donald J. Trump was conceived by his parents, Fred and Mary Trump. That's attractive. Yeah. That's just <laughs> in the corner that. of the living room looms a large cardboard cutout of the president dressed How in suit in his trademark red tie. How do they know what and room it, he was conceived in? That's bizarre. I guess that's the master bedroom. Well, I mean, you know, uh, I don't mean to be a family show, but, you know, sometimes people get amorous yeah. in the living room or the kitchen. So we I, don't I know what room. I don't see Fred and Mary Trump being amorous in I don't want to see Fred and Mary Trump being amorous, I, but that's a whole side topic. Anyway, well, I suppose if somebody it, wants that, they can. They can. You know, has anybody bid on it? Is anybody? Uh, well, it's still it's it's in the process. The home is going to be sold through a closed bidding process, whereby uh-huh. prospective buyers will submit their best and final offers by email. Yeah, I'm guessing that uh, no one's going to pay three million. I mean, you're not going to. I think it's a good investment, probably in the long run. Maybe not for three million dollars, but you know, the childhood home of the president. uh, You know, it's not Hyde Park. Okay, so not Hyde Park. Did you hear? Did you read in the newspapers that that Amazon, who is going to take over Long Island City and bring twenty thousand jobs, Mm -hmm. that they're thinking of pulling out because of all the criticism? Did you see that in the newspapers? No, 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 they shouldn't pull out. The the, the criticism was a bunch of wackos in the city, so just ignore them. Uh, I think it's, we want it's Amazon set. to yeah, come here. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's finalized. It was in the it was in the front page of a of a of the Wall Street Journal. A lot of uh, oh, no. and a lot of newspapers. I I think it's ridiculous. Wow. Uh, if, I if they I do, they should be there. Yeah, I agree. We all agree on that. But yeah. if they do, let me tell you, the people of this city really ought to be ashamed of themselves who who opposed it because that's yeah. a it's a great thing for New York City. They, they have to be here. They have to come here because you know what happens is. With millennials, they have to be in major cities to recruit the talent. They really do. Things like Google, and they have no choice. They can't be out in you know Indiana or something like that. Mm. No offense to Indiana, I'm sure it's a lovely place. I've flown over it many times, but you know that they they've got to be in major cities. That's why GE moved its headquarters to Boston. Mm-hmm. You can't attract millennial talent unless you're in uh, a major city. And there's always somebody who's against something. There's always somebody oh, who's going to, you know, yeah. no matter how good it might be for the whole, there's always somebody who's going to be complaining. Somebody's complaining, exactly. As we know. And, yeah. and by the way, talking about companies coming here, uh, last year the new figures came out. New York City saw 42 million square feet of new development last year. Wow. This is commercial development. 20 million, oh, I'm sorry, 28 million square feet of the 42 million was residential. That's, that's, so that's, that's an awful lot. Yeah, yeah. That's an awful that's lot of of uh, building coming to the city, and I'm sure that that will uh, help a lot with the uh, uh, rents and prices and all the rest of it. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's it maybe it saturated the inventory a little bit, uh, certainly in the high end for a little while. But you certainly, every time you turn around, there's another building coming up. Marla Close is going to be with us at 11 o'clock. I hear we've got the news coming up. Please hang on, uh, and we'll be right back after the news. Thanks. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.